America. Welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio, and we are happy to have you on board with us today. And I'd like to pick up where we left off yesterday. We finished the discussion yesterday on this report of uh, you know, public schools and their declining enrollment really throughout the country. This is nationwide. And it's happening at uh, epidemic levels. I guess we could, you know, we could say epidemic. Uh, you know, and and I, I want to dive back into this because uh, I was able to uh, pull up more information and dive into this, into this map, in more detail. And so I want to revisit uh, this, this topic today. But before we do. I'd like to start today's show in the way we started yesterday's show, uh, and that is uh, talking about a Harbaugh. Yesterday, we mentioned uh, Jim Harbaugh being at the the, the March for Life and his comments uh, to the to the people in attendance there on that cold day, and he he just said it's a great day for a march. This is football weather. Well, on Saturday, his brother John Harbaugh, who coaches the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they they defeated the Texas Houston or the the, the Houston Texans. I was going to say the tex, the Texas Houston's, the Houston Texans in the uh, in the playoff game. Uh, and the quarterback for Houston is C.J. Stroud. We talked about C.J. Stroud. We talked about how in his uh, post game interview the previous weekend and their playoff victory. Yeah, uh, you know the the reporter asked him, you know, what, what the victory meant to him, and before he talked about what it meant to him, he said, "I want to give all the glory and praise to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." And and then he went in to talk about, you know, what it meant to him. And NBC decided they would uh, extract the part of the interview where Stroud gives all the glory and praise to Jesus Christ. Well, uh, Saturday. During the uh, the post game coaches press conference, this is how John Harbaugh decided to start the presser. Take a listen. Being here, I just want to start off with this. Um, this is something that was sent to me before the game, and it just is meaningful to me. So I'm going to share it with you uh, because I think it's uh, uh, the right thing to do. And it's it's a verse: um, greatness, power, glory, victory, and honor belong to you. Because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. The kingdom belongs to you, Lord. You are the head and the ruler over everything. So there's an amazing spirit on this team. And I uh, just want to kind of give honor and glory where it's due. So if that's not a nod to C.J. Stroud and NBC Sports, I don't know what is. This is how the man starts off his press conference. Uh, he says, I just want to start off with this. It's the right thing to do. Absolutely, it's the right thing to do. After what NBC did to C.J. Stroud last week, greatness, power, glory, victory, and honor belong to you. All right? C.J. Stroud said, I, I want to give glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Harbaugh takes it up a notch greatness, power, glory, victory, and honor belong to you because, and then he goes into the why in this, in this verse he's citing, because in heaven and on, because heaven and earth belong to you, 
the kingdom belongs to you. Lord, you are the head and the ruler over everything. Uh, it all belongs to you. And then he said, I just want to give honor and glory where it's due. Mm, man, what a way to start a press conference uh, after you just beat uh, C.J. Stroud and after what NBC did to C.J. Stroud last week. Uh, that was a nod. That was I, that was I got you, Stroud. Yep. I, I know I, I know we just beat you, but but there are some things that are more important. And uh, this right here, sharing your values are more important than the game. Now, uh, the, the game is important to, to Harbaugh, and I, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. But he has, um, you know, by, by starting out the press conference that way, he has elevated the importance of his values, at least to that, to that equal of his win. At least to equal. And I would say, I would say even greater in his mind and, and his heart, his values stand even uh, at a higher level than his victory on Saturday night. I just love it. And this is what we need. We need more of this. Uh, this is, uh, it's electrifying, it's encouraging, it's contagious. Um, yeah, you know, the, the more we have people doing this, it it gives us, you know, the, the courage to do it. It gives us the courage to, to speak out. And it, it even, I think, to some degree, in, increases our, our desire to speak out. It increases our desire to, to share with those around us the things that matter. And I don't know, you know, what could matter, you know, more than our values. So, uh, John Harbaugh, congratulations on just coming out with all guns a-blazing. The Harbaugh brothers, you know, they've always been my favorite. One of my favorites. They are, uh, you know, of course, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been a favorite of mine since, you know, since I, you know, since I was young when he, you know, he was the QB at Michigan, you know, and I'm a young kid growing up and, you know, love Michigan. And so naturally I've always loved the Harbaugh's, but you know, these guys just keep cementing it. I mean, they just, they just, they don't care. These fellas don't care. And that's, that's what we like about them. And that's probably why they're, they're winners. You know, they, um, cause, it, cause they don't care and they're going to, they're going to put their values above all of it. All right, absolutely love it. So the 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 topic at hand, we we ended yesterday, and we were talking about uh, this uh, data that came out of the uh, Brooking Institutions uh, report that they did in conjunction with with a group called Seventy Four. And I I, I want to pick this up, you know, really where we stopped last week. In the article I was reading yesterday, I had mentioned that the article made note of uh, the Jackson School District, and it, it bothered me that they didn't tell me where Jackson was. I mean, there's several Jackson School Districts, I'm sure, throughout the country. So I started doing uh, a little more digging after the show. Days before Christmas uh, in 2023, the school board in Jackson, Mississippi. So that's what we're talking about. 
Jackson, Mississippi, the school board voted to close 11 schools and merge two more. All right. So this is recent. Um, a drastic move that parents in the district had long feared. Some on the list have lost 30% or more of their students since 2018. All right. So Jackson, Mississippi. And this is what the um, the school board here is is doing. The superintendent, you know, really this um, the the rationale here is this. You know, he's got he's got some buildings that are half full, and he doesn't he he can't justify keeping um, you know plumbers uh, busy, keeping uh, you know HVAC people you know busy, you know running around from school building to school building you know, trying to um, duct tape these things together when the buildings are half full. And so they made a decision that they could shutter 11 schools and then consolidate two additional schools. That's huge. That That is, um, that's a big deal. The, um, this report uh, says the analysis of national enrollment data uh, prepared by researchers at the Brookings Institution and augmented by reporting from this group known as the 74 offers the most detailed look to date at how the crisis is playing out at the school level, as well as the districts that face or will soon face tough decisions about closures and cuts. So, you know, my friends, that the point here is this is only the beginning. We we are only seeing the beginning of of public schools, you know, being shuttered. And of, of course, at, at some point in here, it talks about um, they're expecting to see this uh, trend continue throughout the decade, uh, and they're looking at at least another ten percent drop above what they've already experienced. In an October paper, Brookings researchers found that over a four-year period, uh, which includes time during the pandemic, 12% of elementary schools and 9% of middle schools throughout the country, mind you, lost at least one-fifth of their enrollment. Those are big numbers. So the... I guess to some, they're shocking. You know, to some, I guess if you're part of a a, a public school teachers union, you're upset about this. Uh, you know, I guess if you're if you're interested in lobbying for big time teacher union dollars, you're upset about this. But to me, this is encouraging. This is to me, this is good news. To me, this is a sign that parents all over the country, are waking up, and and I love how it's happening uh, at at the elementary level. Twelve percent of elementary schools all over the country lost at least, mind you, one fifth of their enrollment. Uh, Dean, how dare you? Why are you happy that parents are pulling their kids out of schools? Well, because they see that there is a better alternative somewhere else. They um, kids came home and kids started uh, doing work online, and parents started seeing that kids weren't actually doing anything. 
Yeah, there's no work being done. What, the kids have to watch a YouTube video on something and then, you know, um, uh, you know, fill out a packet. And then if they get the packet filled out, then, um, you know, they pass. Uh, you, you know, who knows what they're learning? What are they learning? You know, we, we've got to we've got to start asking this question. What are the kids learning? I'm looking at I'm looking at proficiency rates. This is from an, uh, a report by uh, New York City Public Schools. And the the report is is done to, you know, obviously. It's a report on the um, the state of affairs in the city. But I want to point out the national averages, which are included in this report. All right. This is proficiency rates uh, for eighth grade and fourth grade benchmarks. Are you ready? The national uh, uh, the, the national proficiency, proficiency rate for eighth graders in reading. All right. Only 34% of our eighth graders are proficient at reading nationally. How is that acceptable? All right. I mean, if, if you're playing baseball and your and your average is, you know, 340, you got a you got a 340 bat, batting average, you're awesome. I mean, you're amazing. You're, you know, you're failing seven out of 10 times. In proficiency reading, no, you're not awesome. Mm-mm. Only 34% are proficient. Uh, in math, only 34% are proficient. I mean, this is a, this is throughout the, the, the country. This is nationally. Fourth grade, the fourth grade benchmark. 35 are proficient at reading in the fourth grade. So from from fourth grade to third from fourth grade to eighth grade the proficiency has declined nationally uh it's gone from 35% down to 34% okay so what's happening between fifth sixth seventh and eighth grades math the fourth grade proficiency in math nationally is at 41% and there's an even bigger decline by the time we get to eighth grade, from fourth grade to eighth grade, the math proficiency rate drops from 41% to 34%. Okay, this is not this is not a success. This there's nothing successful about this. Now, this report, um, you know, it starts out where is this? You know, the author starts out by, you know, saying that um that while journalists will sometimes use the term failing flunking or falling below and and there's you know a lot of things that uh that kind of fit into that category here from this report but there's a lot of success too and that's that's what we have to look at we we have to look at the success of what's happening in the public schools specifically in New York City well um New York City the the eighth grade there's twenty six percent of eighth graders are proficient in reading, twenty seven percent are proficient in math. In fourth grade, twenty seven percent are proficient at reading, and only thirty two percent are proficient at math. Uh, I I don't know what what your 
what your metrics are. Uh, I don't know how you can, you know, start a report out by saying, uh, you know, you can look at this, you know, in a couple different ways. You know, you can tilt it and slant it, and and you know, and, and there there are some successes to be found. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess if there's been improvement, you know, from year to year to year, even though it's horrible, if you're if you're seeing some improvement there, I guess you could count that as successes. But I don't think we're even seeing that. I mean, we're certainly not nationally. When uh, from fourth grade, we're at a 41% proficiency. And then by the time we get to eighth grade, we're at a 34%. I mean, we're, we're not seeing it nationally. Uh, in the city of New York, you're at a 32% math. And then by the time you get to eighth grade, you're at a 27% math. So you're not you're not seeing it in the city. Uh, and then, um, you know, educators are wondering, you know, why are kids leaving the public schools? And I've got, um, you know, some opinions here. I've got, you know, some reports that, you know, why people think, um, you know, parents are leaving. And, um, you know, what, 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 but none of it's accurate. Be, because they're they're blind to the reality of what's happening. They're completely blind to how upset parents are because parents are realizing what's happening in our public schools and parents are not happy about it. And these talking head elites are too clueless to figure that out. All right, but we will figure it out and we'll pick it up on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. stand at the gates of hell that global tyrants have thrust upon us. We invite you to join us to seal shut those gates and stamp out evil so that mankind may live freely. AmericaOutloud.news is your inspiration source to join the fight to take America back from the world's greatest oppressors. Now is our time. My fellow Americans, America Outlaw Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you 
can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Copix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Copix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. We are happy to have you on board today listening live via the app or the world-class media player at americaoutloud.news. Or maybe you're listening in the podcast network, wherever you find your podcasts, there you will find us. Uh, regardless of where and how you are listening, we thank you. Thank you for uh, for being on board. So this article that I have cited here, uh, this is the New York City Student Achievement uh, Report. And this was from March 2020. Uh, and, and these national numbers that I'm giving you are from the National Association of Educational Progress from 2019. So these numbers, ironically enough, are pre-pandemic numbers, all right? That's an important note to make, pre-pandemic. So, you know, post-pandemic, we're, we're witnessing 12% of elementary schools throughout the country experiencing at least a one-fifth decline in their enrollment. Uh, and and I'm only giving you pre-pandemic numbers. This article I'm looking at out of California, this is from 2022. Not even, uh, I guess, April 6, 2022. So almost two years old, but it's post-pandemic. So we're, we, we, I've given you pre-pandemic numbers. Now here's post. Uh, a new analysis of state standardized testing from California reveals that the 2021 math scores of California's eighth graders were on the level expected to be that of fifth graders. Okay. So uh, I, now they're not telling us, you know, what the necessarily what the proficiency is here in this article. Uh, whereas the national proficiency in you know, numbers we know, you know, but what this article is telling us is that in terms of reading, uh, you know, I'm sorry, in terms of math, eighth graders in California are at a level that uh, fifth graders are expected to be at. According to the analysis by David Wakeland, founder of Union Square Learning, uh, the drop in test scores began even before the pandemic, starting in third grade when the tests were first given. Huh. Wakeland first tracked the scores of students as they progressed from third to eighth grade. He then compared those results with students who'd taken the eighth grade test before the pandemic in 2019. He discovered that in 2021, the average scores of all subgroups of eighth graders were below standard, with one exception, and that exception is the, the Asian students. Subgroups that averaged far below standard were Black, Latino, and low income. These subgroups of eighth graders had scores that approximated those of a fourth grader. All right, so the headline says um, 
eighth graders can only do math at a fifth grade level, but yet the 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 meat of the article says that the subgroups of eighth graders have scores that approximated those of a fourth grader. State officials and some experts warn against drawing immediate conclusions from these test results. Only about 24% of students elected to take the standardized test in 2021. Additionally, the smarter balance test given to California students is an online test. And officials don't know the conditions under which students took the test. I mean, we can't draw too many conclusions from this test. It was a test online. And we don't know what the conditions were. Why, um, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we don't know what the child was going through while taking this test online. Maybe what distractions? Maybe they were watching a YouTube video simultaneously. However, some of the conditions to which they point as possible aggravating factors, such as staffing shortages, frequent student absences during COVID, are exactly part of the problem being targeted. But not all of the problems. Wakeman pointed out in his analysis that the results were far worse than the results in standardized tests related to English language arts. Reading and writing scores only reflected a small decrease in 21 from previous years and were not much under grade level standards. For this reason, Wakeland called the poor math scores a five alarm fire. Uh-huh. Math is difficult for, for most teachers to teach. It's a difficult subject. Quote, this is from uh, Arun Ramanathan, CEO of Pivot Learning, an Oakland-based nonprofit, says, quote, we have long known that elementary school teachers struggle to teach math, and as a result, focus the bulk of the retention on literacy. All right. Okay. So if, if, if you've long known this, that elementary school teachers struggle to teach math, don't you think you would go to, to, to the root cause of this? I mean, why don't we visit the colleges that these uh, elementary school teachers are getting their degrees from? I mean, shouldn't they be going over ways and means and strategies to actually teach math? You know, what, what's happening at, at, at the collegiate level? I mean, if, if, you, if you've known this for a long time, uh, you know, why are you just letting it... Why are you just letting it happen? Uh, and yet Governor Gavin Newsom proposed $500 million in his budget to train literacy coaches and reading specialists for high-need schools and nothing even comparable for math and science. Uh, you know, my friends, um, yeah, and I've talked about this because money, is not, money isn't the solution. I mean, you can throw $500 million you can throw five hundred billion. It's only going to be eaten up uh, and and absorbed by the um, by the greedy union bosses in charge of the of the teachers' unions. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to get to the kids. Uh, I mean, it, it, can you tell me otherwise? Has it gotten to the kids to this point? You know, when you've got teachers' unions that uh, 17% of their budget actually goes to teachers. And then, you know, the the remaining, whoa, 
whatever, 83% goes to uh, union overhead and, and political stuff to the Democrat Party. It, no, they're not interested in, in kids. And throwing $500 million to train literacy coaches and reading specialists. I mean, what are these what are these teachers learning in, in college? How are they not learning how to teach the kids math and and how to teach the kids how to read? You know, that's um, you know, so here I've got this article. It's entitled, uh, and this again is out of California. It's entitled, Faced with Soaring D's and F's, Schools Are Ditching the Old Way of Grading. All right, so here we are in California. Uh, this is the, the Los Angeles Times is reporting this article. Uh, and, you know, they've decided that, you know, kids are failing so badly here in California that, you know what, we just need to come up with a different way to grade. I mean, we've got to come up with a, with, um, a better solution you know, because it just really looks bad, you know, what's, what's happening here. It just, um, you know, Los Angeles and San Diego unified, it says the state's two largest school districts with some 660,000 students combined have recently directed teachers to base academic grades on whether students have learned what was expected of them during a course. I mean, isn't that what you should be grading on anyway? I mean, oh, oh wait, oh, it, wait, it, academic grades, base academic grades on whether students have learned what was expected of them. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't understand what, what are they not, are they, have they not been grading on this? Um, and not penalize them for behavior, work habits, and missed deadlines. Oh, okay. All right. So, so don't take points away for behavior. Don't don't take points away for work habits. Don't take points away for missed deadlines. Okay. The policies encourage teachers to give students opportunities to revise essays or retake tests to show that they have met learning goals rather than enforcing hard deadlines. Okay. You know what? I'm I, Part of me, I'm okay with this type of flexibility, but I, I don't know that I, you know, when they say don't penalize them for behavior, don't penalize them for work habits, don't penalize them for missed deadlines. Uh, you know, those are the things that you that you put into instructional time that that you build into an education model that that go to work on the student's character. You know, behavior is, is very, you know, it's it's character. And I think you've got to address behavior and character with the student work habits. It, it's character. You know, these things have to be addressed. They, they cannot be, they cannot be ignored. Uh, here's another article I'm looking at out of New York City. So it just, I mean, it, it just so happens that we're bouncing back and forth between, you know, the two largest uh, probably, you know, the two largest um, school districts in the country that in, in New York and California. This article is called New York Changing Minimum Scores for Proficiency in uh, English Language Arts and in Math Tests. Um, New York State is changing the minimum scores required to be considered proficient 
on state math and English language arts tests after seeing lower scores than last year. All right, so this is um, this was 2023. This was last March. So the numbers that I gave to you in the first segment out of New York, those numbers were from 2019, and here we are, 2023, and um, this the state of New York is seeing lower scores than the previous year. And so therefore they're going to change the minimum scores required to be considered proficient. Uh, you know, because you can't, you, you can't continue to report that only 37% of your fourth graders are proficient in math. I mean, so you've got to lower the score in order to be able to say, yeah, more proficient. So it's let's lower the bar. Let's continue to lower the bar so we can say more kids are, are proficient. Do, do we see what's happening here? You know, so when someone says that we're dumbing down education, they literally mean it. We're, we're watching this happen in real time before our very eyes. That education is literally being dumbed down before us. And then we continue to uh, you know, have politicians tout how amazing they are. And Gavin Newsom says, I'm going to, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to 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 give five hundred million dollars to to literacy, to to teach, you know, tutors to to be trained in literacy. And and we're going to throw all this money at the problem. And it makes voters it 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 it, it gives voters this impression that Newsom cares it, you know, the, 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 the voting population in California, at least, you know, the uninformed voters, you know, they are given this version of Newsom and they think, oh, look at that, Gavin. I mean, he's just out there and he's just going to do his best. I mean, look, he's given $500 million to, to train literacy tutors. I mean, he really cares about our kids, uh, you know, while in you know LA they're um you know the article says you know they're ditching old ways of grading faced with soaring Ds and Fs uh you know they got to come up with with new methods here um you know N New York they've decided that you know they're going to have to lower their you know level of proficiency they got to drop the numbers here because uh, you know our kids just aren't our kids just aren't hitting it. What's the problem here? I mean, really, what's what's the problem? Well, the problem is content. Yeah, I, yes, I will. Uh, I will give you that. The pandemic hurt. It hurt us. It hurt. Uh, you know, with with kids not being in the classroom, especially the tail end of uh, of of twenty twenty especially, you know, kindergarten, first, second, third grade students where they're learning foundational stuff. Uh, you, you know, and then, you know, a lot of them didn't go back even the next year. Uh, and and you expect them to be able to to learn that, you know, online? No. Uh -uh. That's not happening. You know, so so yes, that did hurt. And and so now we have this gap to overcome. But the only way we can overcome this gap is by providing a quality of content 
And that's not happening in public schools today. There is no value. There is no value in the education that's being provided. And you know what? The kids see it. The kids get it. The kids understand it. There is there is an article here in my stack. All right. That's gonna, I'm going to have to find it during the break. I'm going to have to find it and break it out during the break that, um, you know, t- talks about that that very thing. You know, students see it. And it's it's going to take some some value of of content, some value of curriculum nationally. That's going to turn this thing around nationally. I mean, these numbers, you know, these 2019 from the National Association of Educational Progress, NAEP, uh, at the eighth grade, you know, only 34% of our eighth graders nationally are proficient in math and in and reading those numbers are horrible they're despicable and so uh, you know why aren't we asking ourselves <laughs> the actual question here and 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 that is you know how are these kids being taught oh we need more money there's not enough money we need more money no instead we should just say how are these kids actually you know what's happening in the classroom are they actually being taught to read? I mean, we've got the, um, you know, this National Council of of Teachers of English over here instructing their groups. They don't really focus on reading. No, what, what the kids need to learn is how to be activists. I mean, we talked about that last last week. That's what's what the kids need to learn. They need to learn how to how to really engage in social activism because that's what's going to bring change. Social activism that'll bring change, not reading. I mean, what are you, from the Stone Ages? The kids don't need to know how to read. All right, we've got some uh, we've got some problems here. we got some big-time problems. All right, uh, we'll pick the conversation up on the other side of this break. We're up against it. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Loud. 
Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board today. We started off today uh, really in continuation of yesterday, and that is our discussion on declining enrollment everywhere in, in public schools all across the country. So I will uh, I will link to this uh, Brookings Institute and in 74 report in my show notes, but there's a map, uh, you know, find your state on the map, you know, find a city near you or, you know, someplace close to you where the, the declines are listed. I'm looking at Flint, Michigan right now. There are eight schools in the Flint city school district. Five of the eight, 63% uh, are showing a 20% decline or more since 2019. Uh, No, this is only between, I'm sorry, this is only between 2019 and 2022. All right, so this doesn't even include uh, the 23 school year or even the start of the 24. Uh, And so five of the eight have over at least a 20% decline in enrollment. One of them Uh, is showing a 43% decline in enrollment. That's almost half. Uh, Okay. You you know, when when almost half of your students are gone at a public elementary school, then um, I I guess you need to, it it would be important to know where they're going. But I don't know if that's the important question. Uh, The important question is, why are they leaving? I think this is the question that... You know, school leaders need to be asking themselves, but they're not asking this question. I don't see any of them asking, why are they leaving? Uh, matter of fact, they're doing the opposite. They're they're praising themselves. Here, there's an article here. This is called Experts Give Biden High Marks on Student Achievement Agenda. All right. So, so this is the article headline. Experts Give Biden High Marks. Uh, you know, not on uh, grades that the students are achieving, not on the student achievement, but on student achievement agenda. All right. So this Department of Education is receiving the accolades and praise for their agenda. Here's what we're going to do to close the proficiency gap. Here's what we're going to do to raise proficiency levels. I mean, we're going to actually lower uh, the score is required to be proficient, but we're not going to really announce that. Ah, come on. So, all right, here's the article. The Biden administration received high marks for elevating key strategies to help students rebound from pandemic learning loss, addressing chronic absenteeism, offering high-impact tutoring, and extending learning after school and summer uh, hours. Okay, so uh, Cardona is being praised here. The Department of Education is being praised here uh, because they are uh, they're offering or, or they're addressing chronic absenteeism. You know, they've got these chronic absenteeism goals. Oh, they've got goals. We are going to praise them for, for, 
for the goals that they have. They're going to offer high-impact tutoring. That's much better than low-impact tutoring. Oh, we should applaud their efforts. I mean, because this low-impact tutoring we've been doing is for the birds. Why didn't we think of offering high-impact tutoring before now? Oh, and we're going to extend the school day, and we're going to have the kids come during the summer? Oh, of course. Why didn't we think of that before? Here's what Education Secretary Miguel Cardona had to say last week. These three strategies have one central goal, giving students more time and more support to succeed. <sighs> Cardona's the best. And you hear the roar of the crowd. I just... Mm. Cardona continues... We'll use all the tools at our disposal to advance these three pillars. Did you hear what Cardona said? He said they're going to use all the tools at their disposal to advance the three pillars. Why, these guys are geniuses. I can't believe we didn't think of using all the tools at our disposal previously. Uh, this is symbolism over substance, my friends. They are not using all the tools at their disposal. If they were using all the tools at their disposal, they would uh, start teaching from old books. They would um, they would start teaching uh, morality. They would start focusing on on behavior. They would start uh, you know focusing on uh, uh, you know study habits. They would start focusing on meeting deadlines. I mean, these are important objectives that that these kids need to 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 have placed in front of them, um, you know. But instead, we've got three strategies here that are central to one goal: giving students more time and more support. I can't believe there's nothing in here about money. Oh wait, I bet there. I, I bet it'll happen. There's got to be money involved. Uh, the event that uh, Cardona was at featured three governors, three state chiefs, highlighted successful efforts to. Oh, here it is, my friends. I didn't even, I didn't even get through to the third paragraph. All right, so the event features three governors, three state chiefs, and most importantly, it highlighted successful efforts to spend pandemic relief funds on proven models. Yep, let's spend that money on proven models. Uh, okay, what kind of proven models do we have? Home visits in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, and to improve student attendance and the New Jersey Tutoring Corps that now reaches 245 of the state's 600 districts. The administration aims to make sure more states and districts are implementing effective programs. All right. So they throw out these amazing words like um, successful efforts, um, effective programs, um, improved student attendance. Uh, uh, you know, th these are all the things that they you know, they highlight, it's all good. Everything is great. Everything is, you know, we're doing all this. We're spending all this money to make everything amazing for your kids. Yet, yet, uh, our eighth graders, only 34% are proficient in math. Only 34% are 
are proficient in, in reading. Okay, but but they're highlighting their successful efforts to spend these pandemic relief funds on proven models. By golly, these models are proven to work, and we're going to keep spending money on them. But some feel, according to the article, there was scant attention to the role of families in these efforts. All right, well, what are their efforts? Their efforts are to uh, in, improve actual attendance. Um, you know, they want to have tutoring, and they want to, you know, have extended hours. All right, so, you know, some people are saying, you know, you've got to have family input on this. Uh, quote, this is from Nat Malkus. He's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. He said, amidst all the happy talk, there was no mention that far too many families seem unconvinced that they need to send students to school regularly or to engage in additional learning opportunities. The supply side of the equation, offering extra opportunities for learning won't make any difference if parents don't see the value. Oh, and that's what's what I said to you earlier, that there is no value in this public school education. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there was an article here. Oh, here it is. It's called Great Inflation, Persistent Systemic. All right. So, you know, why is there no value in this education? It's because, you know, there's this thing called great inflation. When, when inflation hits, as we're witnessing right now, the value of the dollar uh, it decreases. It's because, you know, there's more dollars readily available. All right. Well, it's the same in grades. When when grade inflation happens, when easier grades are, are readily available, the value of those grades is going to decrease. And I think we're even seeing that, um, you know, the parents and the kids are starting to, to witness that. Uh, this article says high school grade point averages have been on an uphill climb since 2016. But that doesn't mean students are better prepared for college level work. Their scores on the ACT, a college entrance exam taken annually by 1.7 million students, haven't budged, according to a report. Uh, and this is out of uh, this is from 2022. So between 2016 and 2021, the average GPA for students taking the ACT increased from 3.22 to 3.39, but scores on the ACT uh, reflecting performance in English, math, reading, and science actually declined. Uh, you know, so there's some evidence out there that we are inflating grades. Uh, and, you know, and so parents do not see the value and kids don't see the value. Uh, this, this article uh, about the experts giving themselves high marks uh, continues, uh, since the pandemic, researchers have documented a disconnect between parents and educators over pandemic learning loss. A University of Southern California study released in December documented what some have called an urgency gap, with parents expressing little alarm over long-term effects of school closures. Um, all right, well, just because the parents 
aren't really concerned about about school closures doesn't mean they're not concerned about learning gaps. I mean, is it possible? Have you ever thought to consider that the parents aren't upset about school closures because they have found an actual school to send their kids to? Maybe an actual school where their kids are going to experience some actual learning? Hmm. Have we thought about that? The article continues. Carrie Rodriguez, president of the National Parents Union, said there are other reasons why students aren't in class every day or aren't taking advantage of tutoring opportunities. Schools, she said, aren't giving students enough reasons to be there. Quote, kids are watching movies and listening to people read books on YouTube in the classroom. And studies conducted in the wake of the pandemic show schools are requiring less effort for students. Grade inflation will get you a C without even showing up. So here it is. I mean, we've got, I mean, we've got, you know, another comment here on grade inflation. You can get a C without even showing up. I mean, you can get a, 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 you can pass. Uh, And a C is what we used to call, um, you know, below average. All right. Uh, And, and, you know, you had to show up to get that. You don't have to show up to get that anymore. I mean, it's not even, uh, you know, it's not a problem. Oh, you don't, you don't want to come to school. Don't worry. Don't worry, Johnny. I got you covered. You're going to get a C. And then, you know what? You can pass. We just, you know, we just got to make sure that, that, that you, that you can pass. And so, you know, uh, no wonder parents aren't concerned about school closures because parents want their want their kids in schools that are going to, you know, cause the kid to apply him or herself. I mean, there's got to be some ac- application. Yeah, that's what parents want. They want their kids to be challenged in their learning, not just, ah, you know, let's watch this YouTube video here. And then, you know, uh, I don't know, fill out this packet. But if you don't want to come, I mean, that's fine. You're going to get a C anyway. You know, it's uh, if that's what it's come to, why are we even why are we even bothering? You know, what's the point? Really? What? Here is what. Um, here's what education used to be. All right. Today is January 23rd. Uh, And on this date, in 1849, Elizabeth Blackwell became the first woman in America to receive a medical degree. Let's go to history class for a second, shall we? Uh, Elizabeth Blackwell became the first woman in the United States to receive this degree when she graduated from New York's Geneva Medical College. Blackwell had immigrated with her family from England to the U.S. at age 11 after her father's sugar refinery business failed. A few years later, her father died, and she took up teaching to help support the family. The idea to become a doctor came from a dying friend. The friend said, if I could only have been treated by a lady doctor, my worst sufferings would have been spared. That's what she said to Elizabeth. And then she said, promise me you will at least think about it. It was a time when most people thought women incapable of such work. More than two dozen medical schools rejected Blackwell before she was finally accepted by Geneva Medical College. She arrived on campus to discover that her admission 
had been something of a jest. Evidently, the faculty had allowed the all-male student body to vote on her application, thinking they would never accept her. Many students thought it was a practical joke and voted yes. However, once enrolled, Blackwell earned the, the, the admiration of her professors and her classmates. She ended up graduating with top honors because there was some value in it and, and there was some, some challenge to it. I mean, the challenge set to this lady, um, I mean, obviously this is, you know, under these conditions, these aren't the conditions that we want. Uh, you know, we don't want uh, classes of people excluded, uh, you know, from, from colleges. That's not the point. The point is she was faced with, with these overwhelming obstacles and she was challenged because of them. And she accepted the challenge and she went after it. I mean, I mean parents want their kids to be challenged. They want their kids to 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 not just be given something, you know, because of, um, you know, because they asked for it. Oh, excuse me, can I have a C? I, I know I haven't been to, to class, you know, in a while, but but could I have a C, please? Well, okay, Johnny. I mean, yeah, I'll give you a C. There, you know, there's got to be some effort put forth, and there's got to be some value to it. You know, we're we're in the throes of watching this this decline in public education, not only because there is no value in the education itself, you know, but you know, for other things that we've documented, the wokeism, uh, you know, all of it. It's it's all just running rampant. Uh, but you know what? Uh that's uh I guess that's that's what you get. That's what you get. There's gotta be value. And we love value here. And that's all the time we have for today. But we will talk more about value tomorrow in the coming days. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.